0: The Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, the pioneering premium trail brand from Portland, Oregon, and the makers of the brand new GSPGH. The Cam Haines Commission is almost here. In fact, Dave is at the factory as I record this, and the shoes are on schedule for an early October delivery for all those who pre-ordered. Get excited. This shoe is amazing. The GSPGH is a lot like the GS Tam, but with a slightly softer midsole compound for a super plush and comfortable ride like all Speedland shoes. The GSPGH has the patented removable plate, a technological innovation you can only find with Speedland products. Speaking of the GS Tam, we still have some of the smaller sizes available, but we are completely out of inventory in size 10 and above for men. That's 11 and a half and above for women. That means that not even I can get another pair of my signature shoe. I have two fresh pairs stashed away here at home. They are collector's items that I will probably keep in perpetuity. And I will never get another pair. So if you want one, you better go act fast. Visit Runspeedland.com. Use code FreeTrail 10 for 10% off the GS TAM, the GSPGH, or the SLHSV. Thanks so much to Speedland. On with the show. Hey fam. Welcome back to the show. Of course, I am Dylan Bowman here with another free trail crosscast with the Subhub crew, Danny Moreno and MK Sullivan. Reporting to duty to recap the historic day at the Pikes Peak Ascent, which happened on Saturday, and then help preview the Mammoth Trail Fest 28K, which is happening this coming Friday. Both races are on the Golden Trail World Series and have attracted some of the best athletes in the sport from all four corners of the globe here to compete at these two great American races on consecutive weekends. Just FYI, this episode was recorded live on YouTube. You'll get 95% out of what you need from the audio-only show. But if you want to check out the visual aids that we reference, navigate over to our YouTube channel, smash the subscribe button, and you can watch the entire episode in its entirety. Speaking of YouTube, this weekend, I have the honor of co-hosting the live coverage all three days at the Mammoth Trail Fest with my good friend, Mammoth local and longtime free trailer Katie Asmuth will also be doing pre-race interviews and a daily recap show, all from the heart of Mammoth Lakes, California, one of the most beautiful places and one of the best trail running destinations in the whole world. All that content will be on the Mountain Outpost YouTube channel, which I link to in the show notes. So cancel your plans this weekend and come hang out with us digitally. Finally, make sure you're subscribed to the Subhub podcast hosted by Danny and MK. They're doing great work, and we are proud to have them in the Free Trail Network. MK is also a coach for the Free Trail experts, so if you're looking for guidance and your training, freetrail.com is a good place to start. Also, visit fantasy.freetrail.com to play fantasy with us this weekend for a chance to win some cool swag and some cool prizes. Finally, thanks to our sponsors for making the show possible. We've got links in the show notes for deals and discounts from these awesome brands on some sweet trail products. Check it out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Chat soon. (laughs) And we are live. Good evening, everybody. Happy Monday. Who watches Monday Night Football anymore? It's Monday Night Trail Running. My name is Dylan Bowman, joined by two great co-hosts this evening, MK Sullivan, broadcasting from Reno. Good evening, MK. Hey, hey. And of course, Danny Moreno, broadcasting from, I think, Mammoth Lakes, California, although it looks like Chamonix over your shoulders there.
1: I haven't changed it yet, but yes, Mammoth Lakes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Boots on the ground, and we're going to talk all about Mammoth Lakes and the Mammoth Trail Fest. It's, of course, coming up this weekend. That's the whole purpose of this live stream, to preview what will be one of the most exciting, one of the most competitive professional races of the season. It's also part of the Golden Trail World Series, a competition series that both MK and Danny have a lot of experience racing in. So they're going to educate us all as to who to look out for, what the course is like, what the racing dynamics are, um, especially given the context of the race that just happened last weekend. And that is where we're going to start our conversation. Pike's peak ascent also on the golden trail world series. I don't know who to start with here. Maybe we'll just pass the mic to both of you, starting with you MK. If you want to just give us the, the top line reactions from the weekend of racing down there in Southern Colorado, before we go into some of the details.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously the the big headline out of this weekend was Remy Bonet breaking Matt Carpenter's, I think, 30-year-old record. And uh, I mean, Sophia Lockley just like putting on a masterclass and being super dominant, taking her third win in the Golden Trail World Series events this year.
0: Danny, what about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, same takeaways. I think there's a lot of prestige in the races in Europe for, you know, being the 20th anniversary, et cetera. But here, on our on our home state homeland uh, in the United States, Pike's Peak has been around a bit, and this record itself has been 33 year olds, uh, thirty three years old since it's been broken. Uh, so that to me was really exciting. And then yeah, Sophia just continuing to be dominant, establishing herself as one of the best sub ultra runners in the world, if not the best right now, and just in the last couple seasons too.
0: Yeah. So let's spend some time on each of them, and then also go a little bit deeper into the results. But Remy. Last time you guys were on when we did our little Sears and all preview, I sort of asked you what makes this guy so special. And he continues just this great streak that he's been on over the last couple of years. He's had the blip at Sears and all, um, you know, sort of struggling to finish in the teens. I think after winning the Mont Blanc marathon in June, here he is bouncing back from that disappointment in his home country of Switzerland to get the course record held by the legend of legends, Mr. Matt Carpenter. And for our viewers and listeners, this name may not be as familiar, especially for those who are newer to the game, but Matt Carpenter really held three of the most legendary course records in the sport. This being one of them, the Pikes Peak Ascent record. He also held the Pikes Peak Marathon record, still holds the Pikes Peak Marathon record. But interestingly, he set the ascent record during that Pikes Peak Marathon, in other words, once he got up to the top, and broke that record and set it, which which has stood for 30 years. He then ran back downhill and set the course record in the marathon, which still stands. Plus, he's also got the course record at the Leadville 100, which he said in I think 2005. So, coming up on 20 years for that one too. So, Matt Carpenter, is there? I don't know if you guys have done any sort of like analysis on on Remy's training, or if you know sort of what what went wrong. It's yours and all on how he bounced back, but I'd love to hear any insights you guys have on on the training and the performance.
1: Yeah. So going into this year, he did get a new coach. um, And the biggest change is he started to include more volume in his weeks. Uh, He's always had a lot of vert in his training, but mostly has been in like the 50 to 65 mile range. This year, we're starting to see him more in the 80 to 90 mile range. uh, So that's a pretty great increase. And then the vert has also increased on top of that. Um, And yeah, for him, I mean, he also this year has been beaten beating his past year's times in Schemo as well. So we should have already expected that this year was going to be a great climbing year for Remy. Um, And so, yeah, any other color to add there, MK?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, and of course he broke his own CR on the Manitou incline (laughs) um, from last year before he ran Pikes Peak Ascent, like just days before. And so when Danny showed me that, I was like, Oh, crap. I need to change my fantasy <laughs> free trail. But um, our boots on the ground, actually, David Gleiker told us on uh, in the Slack that because I, I haven't followed this much, but he said that uh, Remy has been training in a home altitude chamber after having a bad day at work at Sears and all. Yeah. So he's been he took that that loss at Sears and all and really went after it for Bikes Peak.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I've got Remy Strava up on my computer. So maybe if I've get, got some time here, I can pull up his Manitou Incline CR because I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Man, because for those who don't know, the Manitou incline is a famous test piece there in Manitou Springs, Colorado, sort of at the base of Pike's Peak. And it's just sort of like a railroad tied straight line uphill. It's about 2000 feet uphill in less than a mile. So a true vertical test and remy of course being one of the great vertical runners in the world breaks his own cr that had been held by himself but previously by joe gray and many other uh greats have pushed themselves up that hill at crazy fast paces and if you just go through the strava leaderboard on the incline it's like remy is head and shoulders above everybody so you know it's no surprise to see him then take that fitness all the way up to the top of Pike's peak only a couple of days later, but I've got his Strava up here now. And I think it'd be fun to share screen and just like all bear witness to this amazing digital file of athleticism here. And just to sort of paint the picture for the audience who's never been to Pike's peak, obviously it's about a half marathon up the hill, 7,500 feet of climbing in that half marathon. Remy ran it last year in just over two hours and seven minutes. So he took like six and a half minutes off of his own best time at the Pikes Peak Ascent, which to your point about getting a new coach and adding some more volume, seems like those adjustments are paying off not only in his ski mountaineering career, but also in his uh trail running career. Have either of you done Pikes Peak Ascent or Marathon? Yeah, I did it last year. Tell us about it. Set the set the uh the stage for some of the viewers here because From what I understand, like if, and if you look at the elevation per mile, like it seems like it's relatively runnable, but the major challenge is that obviously you're going up to 14,000 feet.
2: Yeah. We talked a little bit about this with Sophia last week um, when we were interviewing her. And so Pikes Peak starts in Manitou Springs, which is around 7,000 feet. And it ends up at Pikes Peak, which is a 14er. And so over 13 miles, you gain a little over 7,000 feet. Um, which sounds like a lot, but when you're out there, it's, it's like so annoyingly runnable, um, definitely a douche grade. And so, um, Sophia was making the joke that she walked last year and it felt like it was downhill. And that's so true. Like if you try to walk, it's, it's useless. So you basically have to run the entire thing. And obviously once you get above 10,000 feet, like it gets brutal. So if you look at Remy's gap paces, actually, he starts out like super consistent in the, in the fives. But his last couple miles, like kind of get closer to seven minutes, it's inevitable that people are going to die up there. Like it's pretty much impossible to hold the same effort throughout throughout the entire race. But him being that
0: close, like throughout the race is, I think, just so impressive. It really is insane. I mean, if you like understand the history of the Pikes Peak Ascent and the Pikes Peak Marathon too, like it's an old race and some of the uh, absolute icons and legends of the sport have pushed themselves here. People like not only Matt Carpenter, but Killian Jornet and Dakota Jones and Joe Gray and people like that. And so Remy Bonet coming out and winning by a very comfortable margin. And this is probably a good time to sort of pull up another graphic that I have and go a little bit deeper in the results list, but he ended up winning by like four minutes.
2: Yeah. I do want to know what note one more thing. I do think the weather obviously played a huge, um, uh, part in, in his time this year. It was so much cooler this year than it was last year. And I obviously didn't run the race, so I don't know this to be true, but the top portion, those last two, three miles are super sandy because you're up so high. Mm. So I imagine that in some senses, the packed
0: down snow may have helped. That is really interesting because the visuals and the photos from the top of the mountain, which were beautiful, it really captured the essence of Colorado in this time of the year, sort of the early fall And uh, it seemed like they had a dusting of snow, but a beautiful blue sky day. And yeah, that is interesting whether that actually made the course a little bit more runnable or a little bit quicker, especially at those higher altitudes. So again, just adding an exclamation point to it, this record has stood for 30 years, right? Remy Bonet coming all the way from Switzerland to break it, training in an altitude chamber to make sure that he's acclimatized. Matt Carpenter famously lives in Manitou Springs, owns, I think, still an ice cream shop in town. So that was his local hill, I'm sure you know, he's both proud to see that record go down to the next generation, but also like, what the heck, man, this was my mountain. But not,
1: not prob- <laughs> I just, I mean, Remy Bonet, I believe he's 28. So the record is, was done before he was even born, which I think kind of adds to this whole story. And I think the buildup during the week, I found it to be super fun. It's going to be snowy. The record's probably not going to go down. And then the dude goes and takes seven minutes off of his time, which is just absurd. Um, but I think one of the things that really stood out to me is there was a bonus this year that if you broke, not just the record, but you broke two hours, you would get $10,000, I believe. Um, Remy Bonet was the freshest person crossing the finish line and they got him on the mic ASAP. And immediately he was like, I'm coming back next year. I'm breaking two hours and everyone went crazy. They're like, what? Um, But also I just think it's so cool that this race like Western States, like how fast and competitive, these American well-known races are becoming with the introduction of international competition. And with that note, I'd like to also, you know, touch upon Patrick Kipniego from Kenya. This was his first time ever running this race. And a lot of people have told me like, it's very helpful to know this course, which Remy does now. And Patrick ran 204 in his first time ever out here. Uh, And for Uh, reference. I think Joe Gray's fastest time is like two Oh five low. So Patrick comes and run almost a minute and some faster than Joe who has run it numerous times and, you know, respect Joe. He's the keen here in America. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just thought that was incredibly impressive. And listening back to Remy, he actually followed uh, Patrick at the start of the race and Mm -hmm. then he passed him with a few miles in.
0: So now I'm going to share a very cool graphic. With credit, all credit due to Mr. Steven Shearer here, who I've never met, but over the last few weeks, ever since UTMB, really, he's been producing these amazing visuals of the data that he compiles via, you know, various platforms, the official splits, and then even goes deep on some of the runners Stravas to reverse engineer some of the the data that uh, ends up looking like this. And so just to sort of provide a little bit of background here. This is the men's time behind the leader. And so it gives us a little bit of an interesting... Check in to see like where people started to, to fall back or where Remy really like separated from the field. And the thing that Steven pointed out that I thought was really interesting, like obviously not taking anything away from Patrick, who you just mentioned, but it looked like Patrick was only like a minute or a minute and a half. Yeah, a minute and 25 seconds down from Remy with about a mile to go. And Remy, of course, finished almost four minutes ahead of him. So in, those last, in that last mile, Remy put like two and a half minutes into Patrick. So again, just a, a testament to Remy, Remy being the beast, especially on these pure uphill climbers courses. So, you know, really interesting. You can see then people who like Daniel Ozons, who was sitting in fourth place, ended up fading back to eighth by the time he got up there. So you can really see sort of like how the race played out. In this sort of digi- digital visualization format. So, shout out to Stephen Shearer who put this together for me to use on the broadcast this evening. I think it'd be good to talk about some of the deeper men's results before we go over and talk about um, Sophia Lockley and, and the women's race. Any other sort of names that you wanted to mention? I think obviously Eli Hemming is worthy of a major shout out. He's been having an awesome season, an awesome couple of years, and is competing really well on the on the Golden Trail World Series and super consistent competitor uh coming home with a third place finish here at Pikes Peak. Anything you guys want to say about Eli? This was um I think to be expected from Eli
2: based on his performance last year, at least in my opinion. Uh I think him being outside of the top five would have been a bad day for him. So seeing him in third, I think is, is good, but also expected at least from my perspective. Yep.
1: Yeah, honestly, this whole race, something that stuck out to me is this growing contingency of younger American sub-ultra runners. I think in the past few years, the women have gotten potentially a little bit more love with standouts like Grayson Murphy, Allie Mack, now Sophia Lockley. And so the women have kind of been in the mix potentially a little bit longer with Joe Gray being obviously the standout, but it's so cool to me that now we have guys like Eli Hemming, Chad Hall, Micah, uh, Sam Henry, um, Christian Allen also got in there in the mix. He's had some great resor- uh, results overseas. So I'm just really excited to see them like sticking their nose in it and getting involved in these super packed international results.
2: Yeah. Awesome. And honestly, Seth Damore is on fire right now.
0: Say a few like, words about him because he he's a beast, man, and he finished fourth. And yeah, he, I don't know much
2: about Seth, but I know that he also did really well at um the uphill race in Italy that they took a US team to. Uh Challenge totally blank here. Yeah, challenged Selena. He did really well there. Mm-hmm. Um I the men's team overall, I think he was second behind um on team wise behind Christian. And so, like, honestly, fourth place was a surprise to me, but I hope he's like continuing to race this year because <laughs> he's like on fire.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'll pull up the graphic here one more time, but you can see uh, maybe like the, uh, the best executed race of the day belongs to Seth because you and he has experience on the course, going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, having experience here at Pike's peak being a big advantage. It seems like he knows how to run this race as i struggle to share my screen here give me one second
1: yeah i looked it up and he's ran the scent three times in the marathon twice yeah from so what i could find
0: so seth is represented by this purple line so you see you know early in the race he's sort of like in the back half of the top 10 slowly but surely everybody starts cracking and fade in one mile to go. He bounces into the into fourth place, which he holds all the way to the top of the hill. So shout out to Seth DeMora. We've mentioned his name a couple of times. So maybe last name to give a shout out to is the King, Mr. Joe Gray, the best sub ultra distance mountain racer, uh, at least like American male sub ultra distance mountain racer of of my generation since Matt Carpenter, really. And um, yeah, it's great to see him still competing, um, into his late thirties in races like this, which certainly favor people that are a little bit younger. Anyway, we should move on to the women. Also an incredible race highlighted by Sophia Lockley. Let's, uh, maybe say a few words about a few more words about Sophia and the really the thing that pops into my head is that like, If Courtney DeWalter wasn't so good, Sophia Lockley would be the front runner for trail runner of the year at this point, having wins at the Mont Blanc Marathon, Sears and all, and now the Pikes Peak Ascent. What do you guys have to say about Sophia? And is she going to race Mammoth this weekend or not? (laughs)
1: Um, I, I'll say something really quick first. I just like, am continuing to be impressed by how quickly she's learning. Uh, and in our most recent pod, she touched upon, she touches upon how she's starting to gain more experience in the tactic of races. And so in this race, I wasn't sure if she was going to just like go off the front. Uh, but no, she actually sat and, and waited patiently behind Judith until the opportune moment. And then at that point, you know, just went on
2: to, uh, to win the race.
0: Anything you want to make sure
2: I was just going to say, make sure you guys go listen to our pod with Sophia that we dropped this week. It was great chatting with her, but um, yeah, I mean, just second everything that Danny says, Sophia is so impressive. She's obviously like a huge talent. Um, Watching her climb is so fun. So this is like just the perfect race for her. And honestly, I hope she comes back again and like one of these times goes for the record because that women's record is
0: It's a long time coming for sure. Yeah. Like the Matt Carpenter record. One thing that I think is also interesting for our viewers and listeners here is Remy Bonet is of course a multiple time ski mountaineering world champion. Sophia Lockley is of course an Olympian in Nordic skiing. So I think you can just develop such immense fitness in the winter months when you are training on skis, whether it's Nordic or sort of ski mountaineering and translate that fitness so effectively in trail running. That's of course not an epiphany. It's not a new revelation in the sport, but I think just an interesting commonality between the two great champions at Pikes Peak this past weekend. I'm gonna pull up another cool graphic here from Steven Shearer from the women's race too, because I think this will show the competitiveness of, one second here, of the women's field too.
2: And also, uh, we forgot to say that Sophia is not racing next weekend. Okay.
0: Bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Anyway, she's got to draw the line somewhere and we can totally respect that even if our entertainment (laughs) is compromised, but to your point, you know, the, the battle between Sophia and Judith, right. If you look at the visualization here, they were basically, yeah, they were together at a frame. 10 miles into the race before Sophia was able to build the critical gap over the last couple of miles. The gap ended up being, I think, three and a half minutes um, at the top of the mountain. But great racing from Judith, too, coming also from Switzerland, like Remy. Not sure if she had the benefit of an altitude chamber or not, but I know she's an athlete that you guys both think very highly of. And this was her first time here at the race, too. Hopefully, she returns. Anything you guys want to add on her?
1: Yeah. I mean, this year she was second at the world championships in the short trail. Um, And, you know, she kind of was in the middle of a comeback year last year. And honestly, what I find interesting is that, so Sophia is currently leading the overall series and she has um, 600 points at this point, I believe MK. Um, So she has, because she has Mont Blanc Marathon, Sierra Zanal, Dolomites, where she got second to Judith, uh, and then she had Pike's peak. And so it takes your three best scores. And in first place, you get 200 points. And so the more I thought about it, because Sophia's time was a couple minutes slower than it was last year, which I maybe was suspecting because of the snow. Uh, But the more I was thinking about it, not to assume too much, I think she was just honestly gaming it up. Like she had to beat Judith and she wanted to do that in the most secure way possible. Mm-hmm. Because now if Judith gets another win here at Mammoth Trail Fest, potentially, uh, then she doesn't have a perfect score where Sophia now has secured that perfect score. Um, So yeah, yeah. just... Yeah, impressed with both of them.
2: Wow. I think I think you're right, Danny. Uh especially if you're talking to her about Sears and all and how confident she felt being in fifth place on the climb. Um and then, you know, just being able to run people down like in the second half of the race. It makes way more sense for her to just play it safe than it does to uh like go out, you know, on record pace or something in the snow and then just totally die and end up third or fourth.
0: Yeah, so interesting tactics there. What about Anna Gibson? Anna Gibson, I should say, excuse me. She corrected me on that at Broken Arrow earlier in the summer. <laughs> Anna Gibson, who has recently signed a, her first professional contract with Brooks after graduating from the University of Washington, where she recently competed in NCAA Nationals. She won the VK at Broken Arrow earlier in the summer, then was second in the 23K behind Ally Mack. And now, her first time at the Pikes Peak Ascent, competing on the Golden Trail World Series Big Stage, Anna Gibson comes home with a third place, sort of like Eli Hemming, like just like really solid young talent in the sport.
2: I was super excited about this result. It looks like uh, from this graph, actually, I'm glad we still have this pulled up that she like went out pretty hard compared to some other people and like held it for a while and kind of died. But she's from altitude. She was like born and raised in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So I think that definitely plays to her advantage on this course. Yes, she may have fallen off quite a bit at the end, but she still has that strength to be able to hold on a little bit more than everybody else.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not, I am super impressed, but also not surprised. She recently had a really strong race at Challenge Selena. Challenge Selena is kind of like this forgotten about little sister at some points because there's so much going on during the summer, but there's some mega sub-ultra talents that go and run that race, like Grace Murphy, who ran that last year. And I believe she got third there, third or fourth, uh, you know, competing against... Yeah, competing against some really strong Europeans. So for her to come here and get third, I think is just a testament to that result and experience growing in the sport.
2: Yeah, awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to see where she takes it because for the first half of this year, she was hurt. Yeah, Like the, the end of her NCAA season was just kind of like, I think, a bit of a disappointment for her because she just couldn't train. So... She's still a little bit behind, I think, on the year. Yeah.
0: And she is on the start list for Mammoth Trail Fest this weekend. But yeah, just Anna Gibson, I think, is a name that we should flag for the listeners and viewers and fans of the sport. She's very much in the early innings of her career in a name that we will be seeing a lot more in the future. Rounding out the top five, a pair of Spaniards who I'd love to hear you both say a few words about. Malinosa, who I'd never heard of before. I just started following her on Instagram. And of course, Sarah Alonzo, who is coming back from injury, maybe give some color on the two of them.
1: Yeah. Malin. Malin? Oh, go ahead. You go. Okay. No, you got it. Uh, Malin has a big uh, soccer background. She's very young too. I want to say she's like 20 or 19. I think she's 20. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so her and Sarah, I think they're actually like pretty close friends. And Sarah got into the sport first and then Malin started joining the sport last year. And she really made a splash at last year's Golden Trail World Series final, where she was starting to get in the top five of those stage races a couple of times there uh, with Sarah leading the way. And so I thought it was just really fun to see them both go four or five. Uh, Neither of them are from altitude. So I think they're just enjoying the Sufferfest. And then to add on the snow there, uh, Sarah Alonzo, I love her character she like, she never runs in a shirt. Um, and so, you know, staying to true to that at the top of bikes, being at 14,000 feet, she's in a sports bra, uh, with snow on the ground. Um, but yeah, Sarah, I mean, she's a mega talent. She won Mont Blanc marathon last year, was third in Sagama behind Ninky Brinkman and Mod Mathis, two goats in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just getting back to it. And so for her to come and get fifth at altitude in the cold, I think it's just showing that she's on her way back.
0: She said in one of the she- pre-race interviews that she hadn't run over time 20K all year. So this was like the the longest run of her year. And of course, yeah, that talent is proven on such a big stage to take home fifth place is amazing.
1: Yeah. And then one more shout out on the women's side, Alicia Alicia Shea, what a surprise here. Yeah. Um, she's kind of been absent on the scene for a couple of years and, uh, she used to have the rim to rim record. I think she has a win at Transvolcania, Uh, so she's a few years removed, but for her to come and get seventh in this race, I just think is awesome. And she's on the start list for Mammoth Trail Fest as well.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. The, the last thing that I wanted to just point out here, while we've got the graphic up, because I think this tells a story, is Ali Max race. Unfortunately, she faded back to twelfth place. She was sitting and in, in fourth position. I'll put my cursor over it here at uh, the A frame checkpoint about 10 miles into the 13 mile race. And then you'll see she had a bit of a crater near the end. And I know Allie Mack has had a bit of an up and down season. She like, she was frustrated after OCC a few weeks ago at the UTMB festival at the end of August, early September. So I'm sure she was hoping to bounce back here at Pike's peak. Typically this is the type of the race that would really suit her. Just an all uphill red line, Type affair, But Ally Mack still putting together a 12th place performance, but I'm sure she feels like it wasn't, wasn't her best day out there. And you can really see that visualized here on Steven Sears graphics. So anyway, awesome racing. I'm glad you brought up Alicia Shea too. Um, yeah, you hadn't seen her name in the results list for a long time. So, but obviously has a lot of talent and a great background, a lot of experience. So great to see her back in the game and look forward to seeing her in mammoth this coming weekend. Speaking of which, is there anything else we wanna touch on before we go ahead to next weekend? Maybe we can just do a quick update on the Golden Trail World Series standings because I think I have that up here. Yes, I do indeed have it up on my computer. So we'll look this up just to give people a little bit of heads up going into Mammoth, where things are standing and who is actually going to be competing so top five on the men's side, Remy Bonet, followed by Manuel Marius, who has not made the trip over to the U.S. to compete in either race. Roberto De Lorenzi, who is racing or at least on the start list at Mammoth Trail Fest. Our guy Eli Hemming in fourth and then Bart from Poland in fifth. Over on the women's side, Sophia Lockley, Mao Yao from China, who also is not here, to rest LaBeouf, who is not here in the US, Sylvia Nordskar, who is here in the US, or whose name is at least on the start list for Mammoth and who raced at Pike's Peak, and then Caitlin Fielder, the Kiwi, who lives in Girona um, in fifth place. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition and our brand new collaborative product, Orange Drink. the brand new formula and flavor of Gnarly's flagship endurance drink mix, Fuel 2.0 which I've been evangelizing here on the podcast for a couple of years now. Orange drank comes with a salted orange flavor and appropriately an increased concentration of sodium. You all know I'm a huge electrolyte guy in training, racing, and in daily life. So we decided to reformulate the mix and add a bit more of that salty stuff. I couldn't be happier with the finished product. It's so delicious, but more importantly, it will make you feel like a superhero while you're out getting your shred on. Typical of all the Fuel 2O products, Orange Drink also has 560 milligrams of HMB, a metabolite of branch chain amino acid leucine to help prevent muscle breakdown and reduce post-workout soreness. So You get carbs, electrolytes, calories, HMB, hydration. It's everything you need straight from your bottle. Simplicity, one of the main reasons why I've always relied on liquid calories. It's so cool for us to have this product collab out in the world. Orange shoes with Speedland, orange drank with Gnarly. <laughs> Go pick up a bag today. Go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. The best gear isn't born in a factory, it's inspired by real people challenging themselves to explore new parts of the world. That's why I love Rourke. Their team pulls design inspiration straight from the cultures and people of new destinations to create durable and comfortable styles that can take you straight from the trail to the coffee shop or the bar. Trail Culture. For over 10 years, Rourke has explored the globe to seek adventure on the road less traveled, and each collection includes a give back because Rourke believes in leaving a positive impact on the places that host their adventures. Trail culture. The latest collection is inspired by a trip through Hokkaido, Japan, featuring Japanese prints and patterns, but free trail listeners will especially love the Rourke. Run muck line. It's functional running gear that goes against traditional activewear styling, so you'll never have to choose between performance and personality. I've been rocking Rourke's Alta 5-Inch Short, which are stylish and perfect for my long runs. They're super lightweight and even have a water-resistant pocket for my phone. It's a really nice product. Go check it out along with the rest of the Run Amok apparel collection for a limited time. As one of my listeners, you can get 15% off your order. Go to Rourke.com, R O A R K.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Rourke. The Free trail Podcast is brought to you by HVMN and the Ketone IQ Supplement. Ketone IQ has become a huge phenomenon in endurance sport in recent years, allowing athletes of all levels to access new levels of performance. It was first adopted in cycling, especially among the professional ranks, but it's now finding its way into the running world, which is awesome and with great success. I recall seeing British ultra star Tom Evans smashing a Ketone IQ as he jumped in the raft at the run. Lucky Chucky River Crossing on his way to victory, the 2023 Western States. Well, if it's good enough for Tom, it's good enough for me. Ketone IQ was invented by HVMN to help athletes of all levels reach their physical potential by boosting cognitive performance. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you know that your brain is key to performing at your best as a runner from fatigue resistance to improved focus and mental clarity. Ketone IQ can give you deeper brain power when the miles and exhaustion start to add up. This is something you really have to experience to understand, so make sure you give Ketone IQ a try. You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Again, visit hvmn forward slash FreeTrail30 and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. There is a link in the show notes of this episode as well. Thanks to HVMN. So anyway, that's the standings going into Mammoth Trail Fest this weekend, where all three of us are going to be. Maybe let's start with a quick intro to the Mammoth Trail Fest. Uh, Danny, you live there. MK, you race there. So maybe, who wants to get us started on what makes this race special and what you're excited about this weekend.
2: Yeah, I think you you want me to go. Okay. So, um, last year was obviously the inaugural inaugural running of the Mammoth trail fest. Tim Tolson has, I think had, this as a dream for a long time now, but with COVID and everything, it just kept not happening. And so, Um, the weekend is a lot of fun Friday. You have the, um, short trail race with the 26 K you have the 50 K on Saturday and then the dragon's back ascent on Sunday, which I'm honestly hoping some of the, uh, the, uh, golden trail series gang hops into, but I doubt it, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, so the golden trail world series this year, um, included the 26 K race into their, um, series of races. It's also the final event before, um, the final in Italy. And so, yeah, the course changed quite a bit from last year when I raced it. Um, but I think it's going to be even better because last year they didn't go up to dragon's back, but now they do right in the middle of the course. So, So Danny, do you want to
0: talk about the course a little bit? Yeah. Let me pull it up. And then Danny, I'd love to hear you give your boots on the ground, local knowledge of what makes this course challenging and fun at the same time.
1: Yeah, I was going to say this course is brutal. Um, Kudos to Tim Tolson for making something that's honestly very exciting as a local who knows a lot of parts of this course. Um, So we'll start out in the village. And the first, I would say, like, couple of miles are going to be wicked fast. You're going uphill. But for these runners who just ran Pikes Peak, this is going to feel pretty like rolling uh, terrain. And then, uh, so you're going to go high octane a lot of people are probably going to go pretty lactic. And then you just shoot straight up dragons back, which is a very famous route here in Mammoth Lakes for us locals. It's what we train on when we're cropping for European races because it's the closest simulation we can get to a long grind with a lot of uh, gain and stuff. Um, but what's fun about the route that Tim picked, because there's two routes, is there's portions of it that are very exposed, kind of getting more on the dragon's spine that I think the the European attendants will really appreciate. Um, and yeah, it's honestly, it's a pretty short climb, but when you're in it, it just feels extremely long. Yeah. Um, it's so just so high it's very high the whole time. It's very dry. There's a lot of sand. So imagine, you know, going between nine and 11,000 feet, just trying to push up sand. It's pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> having done it a handful of times, then we're going to crest over the top. And then the downhill, I think is extremely fun. Uh, there's some parts that are a little bit more technical, some parts that aren't, there's a couple of surprises in there, uh, a couple of uphills still left in the tank for us to enjoy. And then we'll We'll wind down to the village uh for the finish.
0: Yep. And I recall like at least these last maybe four or five miles, those are screaming fast too. Right? If you have
2: the lakes, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> they're like obnoxiously flat. Yeah.
0: Non, non <laughs> it's, so it's sort flat. of like that, that the sort of like pumicey, uh sort of like I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
2: But after you've been hammering that downhill, yeah. once you get to it, I remember last year I was just like, oh my God, I don't want to run any further because I <laughs> I don't have this like hill pushing me down anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. People tend to think of the climb up to the mountain being tough, right? Because you're topping out. But when you're pushing down through elevation, it's, it's really quite exhausting, especially when you're experiencing Sierra kitty litter, as we explain it. So it's basically just like pumice sand that takes it from your legs the entire time.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that this course is different from last year, which was the inaugural running of mammoth trail Fest. Do you, how do you feel like times will compare? Obviously it's a much deeper, more competitive field with the golden trail world series. Do you think that this course is faster or slower? What do you think? I think it's way faster. I don't even remember what I ran
2: here last year, but I think the men will go under two hours and the women will be right above it. Maybe two ten. Yeah. What do you think, Danny? I think the men will be,
1: yeah, under two hours and the women between like 2.10, maybe 2.20. It depends on dragon's back, honestly, because that climb just is such a grind. Um, Yeah. And when it's a little cold too, when you go up dragon's back, it's extremely exposed and it kind of gives you more of a frostbite sort of feel.
0: Speaking of cold, great transition here, Danny. Let's just give the people a little (laughs) glimpse into the weather forecast for the weekend. In the middle of the day, I'm sure it's going to be really nice and pleasant there in the Eastern Sierra, but with early start times, it is going to be pretty chilly. You see a high of 29, or I'm sorry, a low of 29 degrees on Friday. So Friday morning will be probably pretty chilly. Saturday, not much warmer with a high of 34, Sunday, 35, but it should be, you know, pretty fast running conditions.
2: Excuse me. Yeah, no, I think last year was pretty warm. So, um, I'm excited at the idea of like a little bit of a cooler race.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the fields here before we start winding down, Danny, are you racing this weekend? I am. I am racing. Danny's (laughs) racing the 28K. MK's running the 50K. So we've got two competitors here on the show. (laughs) Maybe we'll start with you then, MK, so we don't have to have Danny break down and analyze her own competition in the 28K. (laughs) Starting with the women, Sophia Lockley is not coming to the race. Uh, Anna Gibson is coming to the race. Uh, Judith Weider is not coming either, is she?
2: She's coming. She is, she is yeah, coming. She, okay. She needs me. No, to be added to free trail yeah, though. Okay. Thank <laughs> yeah.
0: you. I'm making a note of that. Actually, Travis is watching. So Travis, add <laughs> Judith to the free trail start list. So MK, yeah. Maybe uh, tell us about, you know, beyond Judith and, and Anna Gibson, who you think uh, are going to be some of the main contenders this weekend?
2: Yeah, I think um, Allie Mack, despite a bad Pikes Peak performance, you can't ever really count her out. She may not be ready, but she very well could have another like broken arrow 23K kind of day. Um, I think Sarah Alonzo still in the mix. She's like one of the toughest competitors out there. I mean, she was in the top 10 at every single race last year in the golden trail. And I think she's a little fresher this year. Cause she's not racing every single race. Malinosa again, like we talked about earlier, young talent, Elise Ponset really good downhiller from France. Mm. Um, I think if she's in the mix, you know, before they get to the top of that downhill, like. So she's going to be hard to stop. I also think the same thing with our own Danny Moreno. I wouldn't be surprised to see Danny um in the top 5 if not even higher in my opinion, but um yeah, I'm I'm excited about the women's race. I think it's going to be spicy.
0: Danny, how are you feeling? Give us a little insight into your present physical and mental condition here as you race your hometown event, the Mammoth Trail Fest, so that we can all adjust our fantasy brackets appropriately. <laughs>
1: Uh, honestly, I'm feeling really good to, to be frank. Um, I'm really excited for this race. I wasn't planning on racing it all year, uh, because I was suspecting I was going to race OCC and, and having some downtime after that. Um, so having this kind of as like a late ad ringer type of addition to my race, I'm just so excited. And I just I feel like I have an advantage, obviously, because I know the trails that we'll be hitting and the climb of dragons back. Um, It is a climb that I feel like if you kind of know it, it it helps. Um, And I just I love this series and competing for that reason. I'm really excited to race against Sarah. Me and her have this little mini rivalry um, where I need to get even with her again (laughs) on the scoreboard. Uh, But I second everything MK says, like as a competitor, people I'm thinking of are, you know, Anna, Judith. And Elise, I do not want Elise on the downhill because she is scary fast on downhills. And this, to me, is definitely uh, an advantage to
2: downhill runners. Yeah. And just a reminder that Danny hasn't run since the Iger Trail, so she is fit
0: and fresh. (laughs) Ready to go, ready to go. And, of course, our longtime viewers and listeners will recall our sort of, I don't know, subdued post-OCC show that we did. I'm sure there's uh, some you know, some vengeance that's going to be taken on the hometown trails for Danny Moreno, our co-host this evening. What about the likes of like Janelle Lynx and like Sam Lewis, Allie Ostrander, Kimber Maddox, Tabor Hemming? Do we know who among those are going to show up and who's fit and ready to shred?
2: Tabor will definitely be in the mix. I doubt Kimber Maddox is going to be there. I haven't heard from her in a bit, but I would be surprised if she was there. Um, Janelle last I heard was hurt at ch- at challenge Selena. So also not sure about her mm. yeah. and Ali Ostrander. Um, I was a little disappointed with her performance at Pikes peak, but it's also her first, like really competitive international race. So who knows, maybe she just needed like a little
0: bit of like kick in the teeth to get herself in gear for mammoth trail fest. It's hard. I mean, if you live in Seattle. Which I think yeah. Ali does to compete at the Pike's Peak Ascent, which goes to fourteen thousand feet. Plus Mammoth is not much lower. I mean, high point of eleven thousand. And if you're competing against people who are acclimatized, or if you're not going through the, you know, extra hoops of putting an altitude chamber in your house and training like Remy did. Makes it difficult to compete at this level. But anyway, it's super deep women's field. Bailey is also on the start list. She just won the rut 28k this past weekend. So hopefully she should. I don't up. think she's racing. She's not racing. Okay. Gotta, we gotta we so. gotta clean yeah. up the fantasy board here. We need to do some outreach
2: they're all it's signed such up a tease. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's tough. A- it's tough, you know, unpredictable this time of year to see who's still got energy, who's healthy. Um, who's got other things going on in their lives, but anyway, it's going to yeah. be a peak
2: hype that I got last year or last week was insane. And I was just like, I'm really sorry, guys. I'm not going to be there.
1: <laughs> I will say to two more international runners that people should definitely consider for their free child fantasy plug in right there, um, is Julia font from, a, uh, from Spain. She is an incredible downhill runner and she has a lot of track speed, um, as well as Sylvia Nordic's. Star. Yeah, Nordic Star. Star. Uh she was top five at Mont Blanc Marathon this year. She has multiple top tens in these races. She's always somebody that's in the mix as well.
0: Heck yeah. So transitioning to the men here, of course, we're gonna be repeating a lot of the names who competed at Pike's Peak last weekend. But yeah, just like the women, it's gonna be one of the most competitive, one of the most interesting races of the entire season, certainly in North America, Remy is back. We think Patrick is back. Eli Hemming is back. So that's the top three from Pike's peak ascent coming back to, to mammoth. Aside from those three superstars, who else are we thinking may have an opportunity to, to land on the podium or surprise some people?
1: Filamon hey, Kiriago, winner yep. of Sears and all this year. He had a rough go at Pike's Peak, not sure what happened there, but he's coming to this race and he is extremely fast. I'm pretty sure he has the fastest half marathon PR in the field too. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he he was looking to bounce back and he's shown it's years now that he can run at altitude. Um, so yeah, maybe last week was just a blip. Not sure how their travel went, honestly, uh, as well coming to America. So I'm excited to watch him and my dark horse is Micah. Uh, he's a recent Stanford grad. Uh, I think it's Russo something. Uh, it's like Russo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, he also was at Pike's peak, but he was a broken arrow earlier this year. Uh, I believe was third or fourth there. Um, but he actually lives on the West side of the, of the Sierra and he comes to mammoth a lot. Uh, mm. so he's very used to these conditions and yeah, he's just a wicked fast dude that I think is just going to get better over time.
0: He's part of that trail team. That's been assembled by Andy Wacker that, you know, is produced, not produced, but who's been providing mentorship for a lot of these young up-and-comers like Anna Gibson um, and others who we've mentioned throughout the broadcast this evening. So keep your eye out I'd, for Mika.
2: I'd like to add that I don't think that you can count Chad Hall out of this race. He he's, he's crossed off the list. He's, oh, he's crossed <laughs> off. Dang it. On fantasy. I was gonna say, which, he demolished the 50K last year, yeah. like by himself ran a wicked fast time. So I was excited for him to race the 26
0: man. Yeah. Bummer. I'm, it leads me to believe that Travis, our fantasy guru has some intelligence about the fact that he's not going to be coming to the race, but it is like, I think he lives or spends time down in like big bear. I think he spends a lot of time in San Diego too, but it's sort of his hometown race. And like you said, he was here last year when he was putting together one of the sort of like rookie of the year seasons, Chad Hall, also had a, sec, a great second place this season behind Eli Hemming at the 23K at Broken Arrow. So we probably won't see him, but that doesn't take anything away from the depth of the rest of the men's field. I'll just list off some names and then you guys can sort of point out any of the the big hitters that you think are Going to have great days. Dan Kurtz, I think, is interesting. Really solid yeah. short course racer, but also sort of like Allie Ostrander. He's from the East Coast. So, unless he's been sort of training in the mountains, it makes it difficult to transition to altitude. The great Max King, the legend. Uh, yes. Then, then we got Andy Wacker, obviously a perennial sub ultra distance, a great American runner. Darren Thomas, who lives there in Reno, I think, with you, MK. Yep. Francesco. He'll Pupi, be racing. We just did our show with over at OCC. Who among them do you think uh, has a chance to turn some heads and feel free to name any of the other contenders here?
2: I think Darren Thomas will do pretty well. He's like still kind of coming back from injury, but he knows this area very well. He's actually been working in Mammoth a lot recently and um, he just like is at a point in his brain and his career right now where he's like I have no pressure like I was injured for the last year I don't need to perform in a certain way and I think that's a really good place to be in
0: heck yeah
1: yeah to me just uh yeah Daniel Kurtz coming off the the U.S. championship uh didn't have the day he wanted at Worlds uh but I still think is a mega talent And I'm just a big fangirl, Max Keen, uh, his longevity in the sport, being able to do everything, finished just outside the podium this year at world champs. Um, and he's someone that I would not want behind me on this downhill if I was a guy. Uh, so just really excited to see him out there as well.
0: Yeah. Another really interesting name to just point out here is David Norris, who's a multiple time winner of Mount Marathon and who's done a bunch of the Cirque series races like Sophia Lockley, like Sam Hendry, sort of like Remy Bonet, you know, of course, sort of made his living, made a name for himself in Nordic skiing. Uh, but David Norris, an aerobic savage and multiple time, uh, Mount Marathon champion. So it'll be fun to see him take a swing here at Mammoth Trail Fest. And it looks like, I mean, if this is the same David Norris, it looks like they have his hometown as Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So maybe he has made the move To higher altitude, which would of course benefit his competition this coming weekend.
1: I have one more name to throw in the mix on the men's side. Uh, Anders Krajarvik. I don't know how to say his last name. He is the two time. Uh, Golden Trail World Series Downhill Champion. So whenever they do the downhill segments, he is like untouchable. There's this really cool video of him in Madeira where he's like sliding down the leaves that got pretty viral uh, for trail running. And so he's always just picking these insane lines. He unfortunately wasn't able to run Pike's Peak. So he's actually coming into this race fresh. Um, so he's a person also uh, with this having so much downhill that I could see him doing fairly
0: well. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of depth, a lot of depth. It's going to be a super fun weekend. So MK is going to be helping on the media side of things. I think at least Thursday and maybe Friday before you race on Saturday, maybe fill that out for us MK and then we'll finish with Danny and we'll close out.
2: Yeah. We're doing a, um, post race event all, all three nights, right? After each event. Yeah.
0: So, we're going to be doing so. We should say to all of our viewers and listeners, they are going to be broadcasting all three of the races this weekend. We've only previewed one, That's cool. the 28K, which is happening on Friday. Of course, there's a 50K on Saturday that MK is going to be racing in. We're not going to preview that tonight because we're going to be talking about that a lot this coming weekend. 50K is on Saturday. And then on Sunday is the Dragon's Back race, which is sort of like the equivalent of mammoth trail fests vk more or less so three races we're broadcasting all three of them and like mk was just saying we're going to be doing a daily recap show friday saturday and sunday evenings this is all being put together by mountain outpost so Jamil curry matt feldick and their team down in arizona are making the trek to mammoth just to broadcast this race which is amazing and at least uh mk and myself are going to be helping out with some of the media stuff. I'm not sure if Danny's going to be jumping in, but uh, we'll let you let you tell us. Uh,
1: Unfortunately, not jumping in. I have to go to a wedding. But uh, MK and I are hosting a trivia, a trail trivia on Thursday morning after the shakeout run. We're going to have two teams, basically a crowdsource team and some of the pro athletes that are competing in the race on Friday. Um, And yeah, we're going to be doing some fun trail trivia there with the subhub. So hope you could come out to that. And then I think shortly after that is when Tim Tolfson is going to be doing the course debriefing. So come out for some free coffee uh, try on some shoes and stuff at the expo, hang out for trivia, and then you'll go right
2: into the the course debriefing.
0: Any parting yeah. words from you, MK?
2: It's going to be a fun weekend. I had so much fun at Mammoth Trail Fest last year, and I'm excited
0: that it's an even bigger event this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, come join us. Yeah. I was actually just looking at the ultra sign up, and I think there's like 13, 1400 people running this year, which is incredible for a second year event. A big shout out to our guy, Mr. Tim, Tim Tolson, <laughs> the race director who envisioned this thing years ago and is bootstrapped it into reality. And in just its second year, it's on the golden trail world series and is going to be one of the most competitive races of the whole season. So we're all excited to be there and experience it in person for everybody who won't be there. Make sure you tune in Go subscribe to the mountain outpost YouTube channel. Also subscribe to our channel too. I never say that. I always forget to say that if you're watching, please subscribe to our channel. And then when we're done, go find the mountain outpost channel, subscribe to that. You'll be seeing all of our faces or at least mine and MK's on that channel throughout race weekend. And it's going to be a super fun time. So appreciate you both for coming on and giving us a little insight about Pike's peak ascent and helping me preview what is gonna be an awesome weekend at Mammoth Trail Fest. And thanks everybody who did tune in to watch us live. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was educational and informative and entertaining. And thank you MK and Denny for joining me. Super fun. Thanks Thanks for having me. See you guys soon.